You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of you. And welcome to our first ever video sermon at Hope Church. If you're joining us online and perhaps you're not used to coming along to church, welcome to you. My name's Tom and I'm one of the pastors at Hope And today, I want to address the present crisis that we find ourselves in for a few minutes. And I want to share from the Bible as well for a few minutes, particularly how this can apply to our lives in this moment, and also that will be applicable to it being Mother's Day as well. We really are in remarkable times. I don't think that many who are watching this video will have ever experienced times quite like this, when the nation has had to stop normal life. Really, it can stir some things up within us. It can stir anxiety within. Perhaps you're in a place where you're worried about uh, the health of of a loved one. Perhaps you're worried about finances. Perhaps you're worried about what life's going to look like when all this settles down. I expect there'll be many who can relate to me when I say this week, I've been a mixture of emotions. At times, I've been in denial, thinking this thing is way too uh, blown out of proportion. At times I've been concerned, at times I've been angry, at times I've been impatient. It really has been a roller coaster of emotions. And I want to appeal to us today to fix our eyes on Jesus, because he is on the throne, and he cannot be dethroned. He never will be. He is the rock of ages, and throughout the ages... His people have always found him to be steady through wartime, through famine, through economic depression, through diseases in the past. He is the steady one. He is the rock. And for those who trust in him, those who seek him first and seek his kingdom first, he's promised that he will provide for all of our needs. He really will provide. He really will be true to his promises. So let me encourage you to lay before him your requests, to lay before him your needs. What is it that you need in these weeks? Is it financial provision? Is it a roof over your head? Is it food on the table? Is it contact with loved ones? What might it be? Ask him, lay it before him, and he will provide for your every need. Let me encourage you to fill your, your mind with a big view of Jesus. It's good to be informed about what's going on in the world. It's good to get the latest on the government updates. But if we're simply refreshing our news feeds every few minutes, then our minds are going to be full of fear and anxiety. We're going to be constantly depressed as we look at that situation. But if we fix our minds on Jesus, if we take a long soak in the truth of who he is, and what he's done for us, and what he will do for us in eternity, then we will find that we'll have hope within, we'll find we'll have joy within. And I want to encourage you to take time to be with God. All of us will find in time that we'll have extra time, whether that's because we don't have a commute anymore, perhaps it's because we don't have so much work to do anymore. We will find time during this Uh, time of 
being at home, self-isolating, we'll find time where we can be quiet and be still before God. Let me encourage you, whilst we still can, to take prayer walks and to lay your burdens on God, to cast your burdens on Him. Let's see every moment of anxiety as a doorway to prayer. When we find those, those worries coming to our minds, let that be the time that we bring them to God in prayer. And we want to help you to look to Jesus over these weeks. And we're going to be filming uh, sermons for every Sunday morning, but we're also going to be filming uh, regular Bible studies so that you can get into God's Word and be encouraged through it. We're also going to have times of worship together via Facebook Live and prayer times together as a church also via Facebook Live. And we want to encourage you to engage with these resources. More than ever, we need to stick close to God. More than ever, we need to draw near to Him. Many good things can and will come out of this crisis. Let one of the good things that come out of this be that we've drawn close to God and known Him more intimately than ever before. We have an opportunity to tell everyone who will listen about the hope that we have in Jesus. This week, I have had opportunities to speak with people. We've got a conversation starter for once that is not the weather. And we can ask people how they're doing in this time of self-isolation and taking things very differently day to day. We've got opportunities to talk about the hope we have in Jesus. We've got opportunities to serve those who are vulnerable. We've got opportunities to serve those who are in need by knocking on doors or ringing our neighbors and saying, hey, how can I help? We've got opportunities to serve this town where people are going to be in dire need because of this situation. And finally, we've an opportunity to be praying like never before that Jesus will come and turn our nation around. Prayer changes things. And as we gather to pray on Facebook Live twice a week, I believe things are going to happen. If hundreds of thousands of Christians gave themselves to prayer in these months, incredible things would happen. And the landscape of this country would be changed forever. So let's give ourselves to persistent and passionate prayer. I want to pray for us and then we're going to dive into the Bible together. Father, we look to you in this time. Lord Jesus, we look to you in this time. And we say, you are our rock and we trust in you. You are the one who is steady and never changing. And Lord Jesus, we want to fix our eyes on you daily as we go through this new kind of life. Throughout these weeks, we want to be those who have their hope firmly in you. Lord, we pray for our government. We pray for the NHS. We ask that you would give them all wisdom and all the aid that they need. We pray that you would protect this nation. Lord, we pray that this virus would be gone before long. And we trust in you and we say you are in control and you are on the throne. And Lord, we know that we have a hope in eternity with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible with you, maybe at home, wherever you are, why don't you turn to 2 Timothy and chapter 2. That's one of the, rather, 2 Timothy and chapter 1. Uh, it's one of the 
um, books of the New Testament. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his protege Timothy. And the Apostle Paul was one of the most important leaders of the early church. He uh, planted many dozens of churches. He went around city to city, nation to nation, uh, preaching about Jesus Christ. His life was changed by Jesus. He once hated Christianity, wanted to destroy it with every ounce of energy that he had. Jesus came to him, changed his life, and now he's an apostle, a sent one, going around the world, preaching about Jesus, starting churches. And he's coming to the end of his life, and he's writing some of his final words. And these are the last words that we have written uh, by the Apostle Paul in the Bible. He's writing this letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. And this is going to be helpful for us. Uh, given this present crisis, but I also believe it's going to be helpful for us on Mother's Day as we celebrate uh, the ladies in our lives who have been influential to us. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 2. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God called us, he saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. We're going to work through this passage of Scripture that we've read together. We're just going to pull out some things as we do that. Firstly, we see that as Paul is in prison, he is remembering his son in the faith, Timothy. He's remembering him night and day. Now, when you're in prison, you can't influence much. You feel powerless. You don't have resources to make things happen. You can't physically force anything. You're in chains. All you can do is pray and worship and pray and worship. That's all that you can do. Just think for a moment about the anxieties that Paul could have had. He had started a number of churches all across the known world. Some of these churches were under very real pressure to close their doors because of persecution. Some of these churches were under very real pressure of false teaching and all kinds of wrong influences. 
And Paul had done his best to install leaders in these churches, but he's now in prison and he can do nothing but write to them from time to time if he had some paper and pray for them. That's all that he could do. You cannot control things when you're stuck in prison. You, you, no matter how efficient you are, you, you can't do anything. You can't control anything. And prayer is the only way that Paul could influence things. We must remember in this time that prayer is a way in which we can influence things greatly. We might have concerns about loved ones. We might have concerns about those that we can't reach, we can't get to. But we need to realize that actually our prayers have great power. Our prayers will change things. And Paul knew that even though he couldn't change things physically, he couldn't go and help Timothy out, he could pray for him. He could remember him night and day. And he really believed that his prayers would make a difference, that God heard and that God would answer, that God would act and things would happen through his prayers that would not otherwise have happened. We need to get to grips with the fact that prayer changes things. And though we might be stuck indoors for weeks on end now, though we might not be able to reach some people that we'd want to reach, we can pray for them. We can pray that God would help them, that God would touch their lives. And he will do. Prayer is the best way anyway to influence situations. We, we might find in these weeks that actually we never really had control in the first place and that we need to see God working in some situations. Secondly, the thing I want to pull out here is that Paul remembers Timothy's great faith and he remembers Timothy's legacy. Or rather, he reminds Timothy of his family's legacy. Timothy had a remarkable faith. He was a mature young man. He's told by Paul to set an example to the believers. He's a young leader, and yet he's got this maturity of his faith. And Paul sends him to be his representative in several places. And what's more, Paul says in Philippians, I have no one else like Timothy. And Paul had some amazing people in his team. And he's saying, I've got no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares for the interests of others. And he's saying that everyone else just cares about their own interests and what's going to serve them. But Timothy, he's completely different. He cares about the the interests of others more than he cares about the interests of his own. He's other-centered. What a a remarkable trait. In In a time where people are literally fighting over toilet roll and and toilet roll factories are being raided and this self-centeredness that is rife everywhere timothy is a man whose whose main trait is he's other-centered he's focused on others and where did he get these traits from how did he come to this incredible faith in the first place who played a key role in his upbringing we see here his mother eunice and his grandmother lois Paul knows them and he knows that they are godly women. He knows that they are incredible women of faith. They get a mention in the Bible. Something of their faith, something of their character, their trust in God was now found in Timothy. What a glorious encouragement to you, mums, grandmas, spiritual mums in the church, people who look out for others and look to nurture the next generation. There really is no higher calling than to raise the next generation. There's no higher calling than 
being a parent. And I'm not for a moment here suggesting you can't do this if you are not a parent in the natural. Raising the next generation, nurturing those younger than us in faith, there is no higher calling than that. Whether you are literally a parent or whether you love just to encourage those who are younger than you, I really believe with all my heart that there is no higher calling than raising up others in faith. I'm not making comments here about whether one parent should stay at home or not or whatever. That's not even in my thinking. But I want to honor the role of mums right now. I want to honor the high calling of motherhood. Motherhood really is a high calling. There is no greater role that a woman could play than raising up others and nurturing them in the ways of God. No job is going to be more important. Raising the next generation to see and savor Jesus. That's as high as it gets. So parents here, spiritual parents, people who have given themselves over to investing in the next generation, do not underestimate the example that you set. Do not underestimate the fact that our example matters. And as we get cooped up in our homes in the weeks to come, our examples are being watched. That might sound daunting to some of us. That might sound like, man, I, that, 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 nothing could be worse to know that I'm being watched and copied. But listen, that is such a high privilege. It's a great opportunity. Our kids are watching us in this time. They're watching to see how we're going to trust in God. They need to see us worshipping Jesus in these times. I don't care if you can sing or not. I don't care if you've got a good voice or not. Your kids don't care if you've got a good voice or not. But they need to see you worshipping Jesus with everything you've got. They need to see you trusting in him. We often have worship on in the car as we're driving to different places. And sometimes I just go for it. Arms are in the air, one hand on the steering wheel. And I'm just going for it. And I'm, I'm getting emotional, just celebrating Jesus. And I want my kids to see me do that. I'm happy for them to see me look a bit silly sometimes. Because they need to understand Jesus is my first love. Jesus is the one that I'm passionate about. And you have such an incredible opportunity if you're a parent here or a grandparent here. And you end up spending a lot of time with children in these next few weeks. You've got such a special opportunity to raise your kids in the faith, to show them that Jesus is so important to you, that he is number one for you. Of course, we have that opportunity beyond this time as well, but this is a special opportunity. Let your children see a living faith. Let them see a faith that trusts even when we cannot understand what's going on. Let them see a humility that owns when we're wrong. And when we get things wrong, because when you stay cooped up with your family for weeks on end, you're going to get things wrong and you're going to have to own that and say, listen, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And you need to show them how you take that to God and bring it before him, because they're going to make mistakes in their life. They're going to make mistakes and they need to see that you go to God when you make mistakes and he restores you by his grace. Open the Bible with your children. Let me encourage you, open the Bible with your children. I've been reading the book of Acts to my children at breakfast time over the last few weeks. We've had so much fun as we've done it. 
as we've reenacted some of the stories and as we've got to grips with the, the grassroots feel of the early church, the radical nature of the early church, the God dependence, the generous hearts, the devotion to prayer, the devotion to community. It's been so exciting to go through the word of God together. Let your children see that your life is centered around what God says. Let your, let your children see that your life is centered on what he has to say to us. Let's move forward, shall we? Verse 7, Paul reminds Timothy of the spirit that he's received. When we trust in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive a spirit that comes to live within us. We receive the Holy Spirit, God himself, and he comes to live within. And this spirit leads us not to fear and not to timidity, but to power, love, and self-discipline. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, as we walk in step with him, as we spend time to dwell with God, as we spend time in his word, we will know increasing confidence. We will know decreasing fear. We will know timidity starting to fall away. This is something that we can pray into. Now more than ever, we need this confidence to, th- to flow through us. This confidence that God is in charge. This confidence that he's sovereign. This confidence that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Now more than ever, we need that confidence to flow through us. Now more than ever, we need to be filled with the promises of God that will make us fearless people. Now more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit to make us courageous. And I want to pray for us in a moment as we close that the Holy Spirit would fill us afresh, that he would change us. God really wants us to change. He really wants us to to lay down fear and timidity. He loves us as we are. He loves us too much to leave us as we are. And he wants us to lay these things aside and trust in him. He's ambitious to do away with these things in our lives. This is a, a continual thing because there will always be things that we come across that we could be fearful of. In this moment, it's the fear of the unknown, perhaps. It's the fear of financial difficulty. But later down the line, it could be fear of man. It could be fear of what people think of us, just as it was for Timothy. He was fearful of what people might think of him. Maybe he was timid in the way of sharing his faith. That's what we glean from this passage. But Paul encourages him not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus and to be prepared even to suffer for sharing it. Now, how could Paul be willing to suffer for sharing the gospel? No one wants to suffer, do they? Surely you'd be mad to want to suffer. Surely you'd be mad to be willing to go to prison and to be executed as Paul was about to be. Surely you'd be mad to be prepared to do those things for the sake of Jesus. Well, let me tell you, it's those who have seen something of eternal worth who would be willing to give everything for Jesus. And Paul is able to say with confidence that Jesus has destroyed death. That's what he says here in verse 10. Christ Jesus, 
our Saviour, has broken the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Paul understood that Jesus' task was to destroy death. The Apostle John would say that Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, that is Satan. Jesus didn't come just preaching love and good deeds. No, he came to destroy death itself. There's a fear that is running through our society. There's a fear that's going through our society like a a pandemic right now, and it's the fear of death, the fear of life coming to an end. And the good news of Jesus is that he lived the perfect life. He, He never once put a foot wrong. He never had a moment where he thought, Why did I do that? He never had a moment where he looked back in regret and after a perfect life at the age of about 33, he died on a cross. And the Bible makes it very clear that that death was no tragic accident, but it was the design of God that on the cross, Jesus Christ would decisively deal with our wrongdoing once and for all. Our wrongdoing, our wrong thinking, our wrong speaking, he would decisively deal with it once and for all by taking the punishment that we deserved for that wrongdoing. And that two days later, after dying, after really dying, after having a sword thrust through his side just to make sure that the job was done, he burst forth from the grave. Death could not hold him down. And he is now ascended to heaven and he's preparing a place for us. He's preparing for us a place to be with him one day. And Hebrews chapter 2 says this of Jesus. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. That's talking of Jesus becoming man. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Listen, you might be watching this today and maybe you've never set foot in church before. And I want to say, hey, keep watching. Keep watching these sermons as we release them in the weeks to come. It's so good to have you joining with us in this way. But the Bible says that you are living in the fear of death. And if you look deep inside and consider it for a moment, I believe that would be true of you. That you're fearing death. And you can be released from the fear of death. You can be set free from the fear of death. You don't need to fret. You don't need to lay awake at night. You don't need to be wondering if that virus is going to come for you next. You don't need to spend your life in fear. You don't need to spend your life in fear to anything because Jesus has crushed the things that you might fear. And you don't need to fear them. You can look to him instead. And he will be your shepherd. If you put your faith in him, he will guide you through this world. He will look after you until it's time to take you home. And then you'll be with him forever. And the Apostle Paul, he's able to say, I'm willing to even go to chains because of this message. Because he's seen something of eternal worth. And he says at the end of this letter to Timothy, right at the very end of it, he says this in chapter 4 and verses 6 to 8. As for me, my life 
has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. So this is a guy, he knows he's going to the executioner's block, maybe in a few days' time. And he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his coming. There is a prize for those who look forward eagerly to his coming. Not to those who have got everything right. Not to those who have all of the answers. Not to those who have tried really hard to undo all of the bad things that they've done in this life. But to those who look forward to his coming. To those who love him because he's first loved them. To those who treasure him because he first showed us his grace. His unmerited favor. This Christianity deal, it's not about the good things we've done as we've just read. It's not about trying hard. It's not about trying to measure up. It's all about the undeserved favor of God. You cannot, even if you live for hundreds of years, you cannot undo the things that you've done wrong. You cannot undo the things that you've said wrong. You cannot, uh, you cannot pay for them with good deeds. It's impossible. No one can do it. God's grace comes to those who accept that they need saving, who believe that Jesus is the only one who can save them and who commit to him their life. And today, you can take that step. You can admit, Lord, I know that I need saving. You can believe, you can say to him, I trust in you. I trust that on the cross that was for me. I trust you rose again. I trust that you are able to forgive me. I believe. And you can commit your life to him today. You can do that right there in your living room. You need not be in some special building. You don't even need to have certain words or some phrases. You can just put it in your own words to him. You can give your life to him right now. And I want to lead us in a prayer right now that you could maybe join with me in. Why don't you pray with me in your heart? And if you've prayed this in your heart, we'd love to hear from you. You might, you might like to contact us with the contact details that are going to come up on the screen. We'd love to hear from you. If you live locally, we'd love to connect you with our church. And when all of this coronavirus crisis has blown over, we'd love to baptize you and love to welcome you into our church family. Maybe if you live further afield, we'd love to tie you in with the church beyond our borders, near to where you live. But let me pray, and why don't you pray in your heart with me also. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you right now that you have made a way for me to be saved. I want to thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to destroy death itself, to go to the cross for me, to take the punishment 
for the wrong that I've done and to rise again victoriously. And I admit that I need saving. I know that I've messed up in so many ways. I know that in in so many ways in my mind and with my actions and my words, I've done wrong. And today I trust in you. I believe in you. I believe that you alone have the power to save. And today I commit my life to you. Come and change me. Come and fill me with your love. Come and fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might not have fear in my heart, but that I might have confidence in your love and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that in your heart and mind with me, maybe you put it in your own words, please do contact us. We'd love to be able to help you in your next steps. But I want to just finally pray for all who are listening, perhaps those who are already believers and who are tuning in today as part of their worship. I want to pray for us as we go forward into this week that we would know the comfort of God, that we would know him close to us. So let me pray for all of us now as we finish. Father, we look forward to what you're going to do through this crisis. It's painful, it's confusing, it's at times frustrating, it's causing us worry at times and we just want to come back to you and say, Lord, we look forward to the many good things you're going to bring out of this. I pray that you would help us to be experts in seeing your hand in this situation. We'd see the many good things that you're bringing forward from this. We pray, Lord God, that you would use us in great ways this week. Help us to realize and remember and remind ourselves that you have destroyed death and that we have an eternity with you to look forward to. I pray that you would help us to reach out to those in need. Help us to reach out with practical help, with care and affection. Help us to draw near to you with the extra time that we might find ourselves with. Let us glorify you in all circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for watching. We're going to be back again next Sunday, and I'm going to be continuing the series that we've been going through in the book of Luke, which is exploring the life of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at the story of the man who gets lowered through the roof to be healed by Jesus. It's going to be so good. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless and have a great week. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.